Facebook's got problems, but making money ain't one of them. Global emissions hit a record ahead of a high-stakes climate summit. And Google finally makes a high-end smartphone. Would you make the switch? Tuesday Need to Know. Let's go. Good morning, this is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast. For Tuesday, October 26th, I'm Jill Wagner with Carlo Versano, who for some reason is just yawning nonstop. What's going on over there? um, Well, you know what's going on? It's Tuesday, Jill. How is it only Tuesday? We were saying last week that uh, the week was flying by. I could have sworn that we'd be past Tuesday by now, but c'est la vie, here we are. Um, yeah, the, I have spent more time in the car so far this week than, than most commutes uh. I do Monday through Friday. <laughs> Yesterday I got caught. Um, there was a huge anti-vaccine mandate protest from, I think, the FDNY oh, you got and city workers. That? I saw oh, that. Oh, yes. If only I worked in the news and were somehow in the know <laughs> about where these rallies were happening. Yes, I got caught in that. Um, so I was stuck in about an extra hour, hour and a half of traffic. And then this morning we're dealing with a, a nor'easter here. And so my my commute in was not fun. That is why we are a little bit uh, late today, guys. But uh, thank you for bearing with us. The weather out here in the Northeast is uh, pretty brutal. We'll talk about that more in a minute. Okay, uh, let's get to the news here. Facebook may have all the problems in the world, except for the one that matters most to its bottom line. The company is basically a money printing machine. Facebook's latest earnings report showed a record profit in the third quarter. $9 billion on revenue, about $29 billion. That's up 33% over last year. More importantly, despite concerns that fewer young people are using Facebook, the total user base for its family of apps rose to 3.58 billion people. That's a little bit under half of the world's population. So while its reputation is basically in the dumpster, Facebook is doing just fine financially, and investors don't seem that concerned. The stock is up about 3% pre-market. Yeah, Mark Zuckerberg also on that earnings call yesterday making a point to defend the company against this onslaught of the new reports that we've been talking about, all based on those internal leaks from that whistleblower. He called those reports a, quote, coordinated effort to selectively leak documents to paint a false picture of our company, end quote. I mean, poor Zuckerberg. It must just be so frustrating (laughs) to see misinformation spread like that, right? If only there was something he could do about it. Uh, But Zuck also, this is sort of important, he said on that call that he, uh, he sees Facebook's new North Star as being young users. Basically, they want to pivot from it being kind of like a boomer product to focusing more on Gen Z and you know, those younger consumers that are so important, which, again, is this a, it's just a reminder that the only thing that matters is that even though Facebook is still net growing, right, it is a product that is fading in relevancy among young people. Young people are the ones that matter for a company like this. That's the flashing warning sign for this company. Um, that being said, though, these earnings, I mean, they show you just how resilient uh, a company like Facebook is just by just by its sheer size, right? So what's happening in terms of the Facebook files or the Facebook papers and, and all of these reports that have been coming out in terms of the negative headlines um, mm-hmm. is that they're the whistleblower, Frances Haugen, remember her, she submitted a yep. ton of documents to the SEC. According to Brian Stelter of Reliable Sources, redacted versions of those documents are now being shared with Congress and also the news media. So that's why the Facebook mm-hmm. papers are not a one or two day story. That's why we are just going to yeah. continually be talking about this. 
So it started with the Wall Street Journal. Remember, though, that is the, the paper that first broke all, all of this stuff w going on with Facebook. But now these documents are being shared with more than a dozen news outlets, from the New York Post to, to Gizmodo. Tech reporter Casey Newton says that he himself continues to receive new documents every weekday. And he said there's no particular theme or order to them. Um, and he says it's extraordinary to be able to read these documents and learn more about the company. But he even admits that he is essentially a pawn in Haugen's game. Okay, she, by yeah. the way, just to be totally clear about funding and motivation, she's getting a lot of support from Pierre Omidyar. If you've ever heard of that guy, he was the founder of eBay, and now he's this he's just a huge tech critic. So everyone yeah. has a motivation here and their own, you know, competing interests. So it's just to be clear about kind of what's going on, why these stories are, are sort of trickling out slowly. Um, and then all of these news organizations are basically coordinating with each other um, and chatting with each other over Slack um, in terms of, I guess, what yeah. they're working on and, and sharing some information. There was a really good TikTok, if you're into this sort of like media behind the scenes stuff. Ben Smith, the New York Times media columnist, he did sort of a TikTok behind the scenes yesterday. of And not TikTok that, uh, social media outlet. No, TikTok no, like, I mean, like the, you know. the timeline. Yes, exactly. Um, but he was uh, he was just talking about how the New York Times broke this embargo and it upset everybody. It's not really that interesting. But what was interesting in that article, back to what you said about uh, Haugen's um, sort of financial situation, he asked her straight up. Ben Smith did, you know, why you know, do you have? Are you getting back? Are you being backed? Do you have some sort of like financial stake in this? And she said she's okay actually because she bought a lot of Bitcoin back in the day. And she's out and she lives in like Puerto Rico now uh, with a bunch of other you know crypto entrepreneurs. So. Make of that what you will, I guess. Okay, there are a few fascinating things, I think, that have come out from the, the reporting of these mm -hmm. Facebook files. Uh, from The Atlantic, these documents show that the Facebook we have of the United States is actually the platform at its best in the most vulnerable yeah. parts of the world, places with limited internet access where smaller user numbers mean bad actors have undue influence. The trade-offs and mistakes that Facebook makes can have deadly consequences. According to a CNN report, uh, take Ethiopia. Facebook knew it was being used to incite violence in that country and did little to stop the spread, according to the documents. Mm -hmm. Another report shows how individuals are creating multiple accounts to spread basically toxic politics. Mm -hmm. um, and also Facebook research shows that it is not popular, as you mentioned earlier, um, with young people. And, and specifically, uh, they do not like the news feed. They think mm -hmm. profiles are too cumbersome and, and cluttered, um, but they prefer reels and stories, which are basically the features that were made popular by Snapchat and TikTok. And that's also Zuckerberg saying on that earnings call yesterday, that's uh, reels is one of the things that he wants to um, focus a lot on. You remember Facebook back in the early days when there wasn't really a news feed and it was just kind of like a, it was actually like a Facebook, the Facebook that you got in college, kind of like the yearbook with everyone's picture on it. Yeah. You should really just go back, go back to that. There was nothing wrong with that. Well, I remember spending so much time back in the day on my profile. Like, what, yeah. what TV shows do I like? Uh, what are my <laughs> hobbies, et cetera? And now no one even looks at it. I recently went back. I had, like, the Cosby show, which is almost unacceptable <laughs> to say that you like. <laughs> I should probably take that down. That's, hyster that's hysterical, actually. Uh, um, anyway, so just this is why we'll probably be talking about Facebook and, and yeah. what's going on inside that company for quite a while.
Yes. Switching gears, the White House has laid out some new travel restrictions that will apply for foreigners coming into the U.S. when borders reopen on November 8th. Vaccinated travelers will have to show proof of vaccination in addition to a recent negative COVID test um, and then give contact tracing information in order to board a plane bound for the U.S. Uh, one notable exception here for people traveling from countries with low supplies of vaccines. If you're not on a tourist visa, you can come if you just provide a negative test. Uh, that also applies for kids under 18 years old, regardless of where they're coming from. So just something to keep in mind if you've got family that are going to try and make the trek uh, into the states once these uh, restrictions lift in a couple weeks. Also, speaking of kids, uh, Moderna yesterday saying that its vaccine is safe and effective in 6 to 11-year-olds. They're going to submit that data to the FDA soon, and the FDA also today meeting about the Pfizer vaccine data, um, likely to approve that vaccine for 5 to 11-year-olds in the next day or two, then kicking it to the CDC for a final decision. Uh, remember all those stories last year about how admissions had plummeted around the world during lockdowns? That was true, but even still, greenhouse gas emissions actually rose to a record level in 2020, according to the World Meteorological Organization. The report comes as world leaders prepare to travel to Glasgow for next week's high-stakes COP26 climate summit. Democrats are rushing to strike a deal on President Biden's economic agenda ahead of that meeting so the president can at least deliver something concrete on his climate pledge. Uh, hard to, like, go there lecturing other yeah. countries about the climate if you can't. Right. If you're not yeah. doing anything here. Well, exactly. You can't. If you're the United States, you can't show up empty-handed to something like this. You have to give other countries an incentive to to follow our lead in the in some cases in the form of FOMO. Right. We're doing it. You guys need to get on board. Um, you know, I was thinking, Jill, about the the Hoover Dam last night, as one does. Um, <laughs> This is this podcast. This is now this is dam talk with Carlo Versano. Uh, no, my brother is currently at the Hoover Dam for some reason, but he was just sending me pictures of it. Have you ever been to the Hoover Dam? Negative. It's awesome. It's incredible. I would say if you were going to ask me top three places to visit in the United States, it's it's up there. Probably New York City, Grand Canyon, Hoover Dam. It is one of the great engineering feats of mankind. Uh, we you know we built it during the Great Depression. It came in under budget and ahead of schedule. Imagine that today, right? A few years later, we won a world war and then we invented the atom bomb all in that decade. And I, I say this because I, I was thinking about this in the context of climate last night. You know, we used to do these, these great, huge things in this country, right? Imagine, imagine thinking that you could beat the Americans in a world war after we just built the frickin' Hoover Dam it's crazy, right? Nobody in this country thinks that we could do that kind of thing today. And that's really, that's like the tragedy of modern life, right? And I know I'm getting a little philosophical here, but just bear with me. Because like, we, we have this huge existential problem ahead of us of climate change. But the solution is knowable, right? Climate change isn't time travel. It's not a perpetual motion machine, something that can't technically exist within the laws of physics, right? We know the solution. We have to decarbonize the atmosphere as soon as possible while simultaneously building a sustainable economy based on renewable energy. I'm not saying that stuff is easy, but we know that that's what we have to do. The, the, the tragedy of it all, right, the cosmic joke of it all is that we don't have the intangible things. We don't have the will, the priorities, the courage, the politics, the systems, the leadership, the vision. And I think that's what's so that's that feeling of sort of depression you might have thinking about the climate emergency. Right. Well, as you talk about, like, the cosmic joke of it, I was just thinking about Joe Manchin in West Virginia, who's basically the the, the person yeah. who's holding it up, right, especially as right. it comes to, to the climate part of it. 
Uh, his state, West Virginia, you don't often think of West Virginia as a state that would be really negatively impacted by climate change, but a lot of analysts actually think West Virginia is one of the states in this country that is, is most vulnerable, um, and not particularly from flooding, from, from coastal yeah. flooding, because it's not a coastal state, um, but because of, of the terrain, um, really vulnerable to just increased rain. And you, right. as we've seen, that could be quite deadly and quite uh, damaging because just the infrastructure isn't there. You know, if you're getting right. three inches of rain in an hour, um, you're talking about devastation that West Virginia just couldn't couldn't handle. Right. Well, and this, I mean, Reuters is reporting this morning that uh, one of the proposals in the Build Back Better plan was this methane fee on oil and gas producers that now is out because Manchin, as a investor in uh, fossil fuel industry doesn't want it. So, I mean, yeah, if you believe it, there's a God, it's hard to not imagine he's he or she is up there kind of laughing, right? I gave you guys the tools. I gave you guys the tools to do this, and you can't get it done. Um, well, on the other hand, Tesla, uh, EV maker, the market yep. cap crossed a trillion dollars for the first time ever after Hertz announced that it would be buying 100,000 Teslas by the end of next year. That is the largest ever order for electric vehicles of any kind. It costs uh, $4.2 billion, um, and, and the company's stock, Tesla's, has been on fire, closing above 1000 bucks for the first time after rising tenfold over the course of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is huge, huge news. Yeah, and 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 good news too. And I'm glad that we're we're getting this in because after that sort of uh, you know Debbie Downer rant of mine. But uh, to put it another way, Elon Musk yesterday he made 36 billion dollars yesterday, just yesterday, based off this Hertz news. Uh, and the sweetener here, which actually went a little bit undercovered, I thought, and is and is arguably more important. Tesla's Model Three just became the top selling car in Europe, the first time ever that an electric car has outsold any gas powered monocle on that continent. Uh, the company saw two huge quarters in a row, uh, blowing past even the most bullish estimates when it comes to deliveries. It's truly an incredible story. And like I always say, Jill, you know, hate on Elon Musk as much as you want, but the man did what no other person on earth literally was able to do. He made electric cars cool and he jump started this much-needed transition. And for that, you will always have my respect. You know, the irony is, and I could be totally naive here, I don't, of all of the tech billionaires or just the billionaires mm -hmm. out there, I don't feel like he's actually driven by money necessarily. To me, he, and, and again, you're probably like, okay, yeah. Jill, whatever. But I, to me, of all of no, them, I, he I, I feels I, I like I, he's, he like wants to change the world, uh, actually. Yeah. And, and talk about SpaceX, uh, Tesla, the boring company, which we don't, doesn't get much play, but also if that technology works in what he's trying to do, it would vastly improve everybody's lives when we talk about just giving us back some time you know, and getting from place yeah. to place. So I, that's what I just always find funny. I mean, look, it's all on paper. I mean, no, definitely. But he doesn't strike me that he's living large somewhere um, or really motivated by yeah. the money part of it. Well, he's also he's an idea guy. I, I, I like that about him, right?
Um, okay, maybe the most compelling new smartphone on the market, not made by Apple after all. Google's new Pixel 6 is getting rave reviews from tech columnists who've been toying with the device ahead of its launch on Thursday. The new Pixel is the first Google phone to come with uh, Google's proprietary Tensor chip, which makes it much faster than other Android devices. It could do advanced tasks like real-time language translation and also voice transcription, which is really cool. It's also completely redesigned. There's a camera bar on the back that allows the phone to sit flat on a table. Uh, also, one of those small but annoying things that uh, iPhone users always complain about, Google finally making a play for a high-end phone that could compete with Apple. Yeah, go watch the video of this, uh, the, the demonstration of this phone doing real-time language translation. That is pretty incredible, and that's a really nifty trick, uh, you know, especially if you're traveling and, like me, you're not a language person, and, you you know, that, that could be really useful. Also for um, the, uh, what's the, other, the voice transcription, really good for reporters. Uh, the kicker, though, here is the price. The Pixel 6 starts at 600 bucks. That makes it $200 cheaper than the base iPhone 13 model. Um, so they're really undercutting Apple here. It's also very beautiful looking. Now, I, I would actually seriously consider switching to one of these, but the problem is it's just too hard. It's too much of a hassle, which of course is the point, right? You know, when you live in the Apple ecosystem, as I think both you and I do, as annoying as it is, and as much as we complain about it, the hassle of switching is the thing that that is just you're like I I don't want to deal with that that's too much uh, rigmarole my whole life is it within like the walled garden of Apple now also green text bubbles uh, you know I don't want to be the guy I don't want to be the guy who ruins the group chat I hate to say it um, Dave Chappelle addressing the ongoing controversy over his latest Netflix special and a new stand-up routine a video posted to his Instagram the comedian says he is open to meeting with transgender Netflix employees who've called for the streamer to remove the closer from the platform but said he will not be bending to anybody's demands Chappelle also claims that an upcoming documentary that he made is being excluded from the film festival circuit um, and he credited Netflix chief Ted Sarandos for sticking by him. Just the only thing I want to say about Chappelle, and I just want to clarify because several people wrote to me and they said that they were going to stop listening to the podcast after I uh, used the F word last week and then also defended Chappelle in the same, either in the same pod or the, that that same week of pods um you know first of all like i'm sorry you're so sensitive perhaps this podcast is not for you that's totally fine right it, that's that's cool but my defense of dave Chappelle, it's the same that i would make for any artist uh, it, it really has nothing to do with him personally and i think that this whole thing is starting to get kind of lame and long in the tooth and i think that he's kind of risking his reputation as a brilliant comic by kind of keeping this new cycle going here um but the, the bottom line is, I just I don't believe that you censor art in, in the United States of America, period. It's, it's a bad idea. It was, a same, it was a bad idea last year when, during the BLM protest, Tina Fey said that she was going to cut scenes from 30 Rock that were offensive, um, uh, you know, that made offensive, like, blackface jokes. That was a bad idea. Censoring Dave Chappelle is a bad idea. And by the way, if you actually watched this, this special, he makes fun of a lot of people. It's not like he's just like out there ripping on the transgender community. I mean, he, that he's sort of like an equal opportunity offender. Yeah, it's Carla. To that point, he did make some really offensive jokes about Jews, a joke called Space Jews. Yep. And it's only being discussed in Jewish circles. Like, it's not getting a lot of play, but it, it's extremely offensive. A lot of people say it's anti-Semitic. I personally, no, I don't think I think it's fine. Like, I, I, I don't like it. I, I was a little bit offended by it, but I think 
you can let him his it, it's your point it's he's a comic it's art i don't believe in censorship yeah. um i do want to read a little bit from what he just released on instagram uh he says, uh, just in terms of that film that you were talking about, he said he made this film. He was invited to every film festival in the United States, and some of those invitations I accepted. When this controversy came out about The Closer, they began disinviting me from these film festivals. And now, today, not a film company, not a movie studio, not a film festival, nobody will touch this film. Thank God for Ted Sarandos and Netflix. He's the only one that did, didn't cancel me yet. Um, then he also said, it's been said in the press that I was invited to speak to the transgender employees of Netflix and that I refused. That is not true. If they invited me, I would have accepted it, although I am confused about what we'd be speaking about. I said what I said, and boy, I heard what you said. My God, how could I not? You said you want a safe working environment at Netflix. It seems like I'm the only one that can't go into the office anymore. Yeah. Just an interest, like, I, again, I'm just reading it because I, I sometimes feel like when we summarize what Sure. He said it doesn't really do it justice. Uh, Kara Swisher had a great column about it, and um, I know we often quote her, but I think her take on it was was pretty on point, where she said, look, she said I, I, he mostly just wasn't funny. I mean, that was the whole problem, I think, with the documentary, yep. with, with his special, is that he, he, whether or not you think that it belongs on TV or, or deserves a platform, it was just like, give it up. It almost seemed like he, he had like an ax to grind or something and he couldn't yeah. move on. Um, anyway. Well, that's it, what's happening now. Yes. That's and now the, it's, that, yes. yes. And he, he also said if he, his condition to meeting with the transgender community is that he would wants them to watch the special, to have actually seen it from start yeah. to finish before. Anyway, I, like, look, it's totally controversial. I, I think that there's a lot of good points to be made um, in terms of real-life harm that can be done to this community because of what was said in art sure, and on sure. specials yeah. like this. Um, and I... I I guess, like, I look. I, I'm I'm scared to say anything because we get yeah. we get hate mail. People write in and are like, "I'm no longer listening to your podcast," and you know, yeah. we've got our careers yeah. to worry about, which is sad. It's it's sad that we're at a time where we can't you know openly say what we think. No, yep, no, I agree. But you're, just the last thing you'll, I'll say is just to your point. Like, it, the problem now is once comedians start getting in this like self referential feedback loop, it stops being funny. Right. Comedians are there to sort of be like, you know, cast stones at society and like make fun of like life in the modern world. Uh, this is just kind of like boring at this point uh, in right. terms of from a comedic perspective. Right. I much prefer a little Ali Wong, Seinfeld. I just want to laugh if I'm watching <laughs> a comedy special. Like I don't need right. the social commentary from Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Um, all right, time for more to know before we go. After the West Coast got pummeled by that series of severe storms, it is the East Coast's turn to take a beating. The first nor'easter of the season bringing heavy rain and wind to an area from Appalachia to New England. The effects are going to last through tomorrow. There is another nor'easter on deck, and it could mean a Halloween washout for the Northeast this weekend. Oh, I hope that's not. I hope Franny's first Halloween doesn't get washed out. That would be a major bummer. Uh, what? Well, what are another... you guys even doing? Uh, just She's like a so parade young. over here. I know we're going to but we're going to dress her up. And I think, okay. you know, I live in a, a, a neighborhood filled with children now. So I think we're going to, like, go all out, probably have some candy oh, for the trick or treaters. Um, 
Yeah, we're still working on her costume, though, but I'll keep you posted. Uh, in completely other, different news, a coup is underway in Sudan, where the uh, military just seized power. They arrested the prime minister. They dissolved the civilian government of that country. Uh, protesters have taken to the street in the capital city of Khartoum. Uh, the Internet has been cut, so there's basically no communications out or into one of the largest countries in Africa. This is the country's second coup in two years, and it really just puts to bed the hopes that Sudan's fledgling democracy might have become something. That's clearly not happening. A shooting at a mall in Boise, Idaho, left two people dead and four people injured, including a police officer. The shooter <clears throat> was wounded and is in critical condition. No word on a motive or any info on the victims. Uh, and just speaking of shootings here, detectives investigating the prop gun shooting by Alec Baldwin uh, have seized three guns, spent casings and ammunition from that movie set where the fatal shooting of the cinematographer uh, took place. This coming, as sources tell Variety, that the set was plagued with issues that have become more common in the area of streaming. Talk about when, like, news stories collide here. Namely too many inexperienced crew members that are being hired to fill the demand for content, something that we've talked about. NASA now aiming for February to send its first rocket to the moon since the Apollo missions. The Artemis 1 mission will be an uncrewed mission, the first step in a plan to send astronauts back to the lunar surface. And uh, Princess Mako of Japan just got married to her commoner boyfriend in a uh, modest ceremony that also served as her exit from the Japanese royal family. They basically got married at City Hall and held a press conference to announce it, not exactly Windsor Castle and uh, Buckingham Palace. Um, but if you think that the British royal family is kind of crazy, the Japanese fascination with their royals is truly something. The guy who married this princess, he has been pilloried in the media in Japan because wait for it, he had the audacity to wear a pinstripe suit to his meeting with the emperor instead of the customary navy or black suit. The, I Yikes. missed what you said, the customary what? Like, instead of wearing a black or navy suit, he ah, wore pinstripes. Ah. And now he's like, uh, you know, persona non grata there. I think they should do a crown about the Japanese royal totally. family. Totally. Oh, I, I would watch that, absolutely. All right, that is what you need to know for Tuesday, October 26th. All right, guys, see you tomorrow.